This is the I Will Teach You A Language podcast, episode 111. Welcome to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. And do I have a treat for you today? We have a special guest on the show, Anthony Mativier, who's a good friend of mine and a memory expert uh, extraordinaire, who's going to be talking to us about memory palaces. Now, before you all uh, zone out, memory palaces are a very, very effective technique that can help you remember a lot of things quickly and commit them to your long-term memory. And so we're going to be talking in this episode about how you can use these memory techniques to learn a foreign alphabet. And specifically, we're going to be talking about hiragana, which is one of the the uh, native Japanese alphabets, one of the three alphabets that are used in Japan. And uh, if you are someone that's learning Japanese and hasn't managed to learn hiragana or, or katakana yet, you're going to want to listen to this. But before we get into it, let's thank the sponsors of the show, the wonderful italki. Well, I get regular Japanese practice myself, actually. And if you want to get a free lesson with a professional Japanese tutor or an informal tutor, someone who, you know, maybe is simply going to help you get a bit of speaking practice every week. They might not be a professional teacher. They're just someone that's a native speaker you can practice with. Either way, you can get a free lesson by going to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now, without any further ado, I give you my conversation with Anthony Mativier. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's just fantastic to be here. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm really happy that you that we're finally getting a chance to do this because I've been wanting to invite you on the podcast for ages, and it's great that it's finally happened. So, for those of for those people out there who are not familiar with you, can you give us a quick summary? Well, quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Well, as you said, my name is Anthony Metivier, and I run a website called MagneticMemoryMethod.com, and it is devoted to helping people learn and memorize and recall information with great ease, regardless of what that information might be. But it has a particular focus on language learning in particular, because that is one of the greatest challenges, and it's one of the greatest challenges that I faced uh, a few times, and I just thought... The, these techniques that are being taught in schools and index cards and software and so forth, this just isn't working for me. It, it was just too boring and I have a different kind of mind, but I didn't have a solution. So I figured stuff out based on something that had really helped me out during a period of depression in grad school, which was memory techniques or mnemonics as they're often called, and a, a particular kind, which is the memory palace and I was able to really do some things that without these techniques I'm sure I'd probably be living on the street or at least I'd be performing magic on the street because uh, I'm just one of the, you know it's just it's just an incredible skill and so I've made it my goal to share it with as many people as possible and with the magic of the internet that is proving to be quite a lot and people are getting great results from picking up these techniques especially with their language learning. Fantastic. Yeah, and I can certainly speak to the power of these things because, you know, as language learners, we all have problems with our with our memory. We all wish we could um, memorize more stuff, right? You know, the more words you learn, the, the the better you are at speaking the language. It's as simple as that. And so, yeah, I mean, I remember when you first taught me some of these memory techniques back when I was learning Arabic, you know, I was able to, to memorize a, a large number of Arabic verbs like in a short space of time and still remember them perfectly months later so it was a real uh you know it was really really powerful for me and um i've definitely learned a lot from 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 your your teachings um but so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about 
these memory techniques, but specifically as it relates to foreign alphabets, right? Because we were talking about this before, and both of us have, uh, in the past, learnt Japanese. And, um, you know, the, the reason that I thought this was particularly interesting was because I often get people asking me things like, you know, do I have to learn... I'm learning Japanese, you know, do I have to learn to read and write? Or I'm learning Arabic, do I have to learn the alphabet? And, you know, the... Uh, the answer is yes, because it's really you know you don't you don't have thousands and thousands of characters to learn. It's a it's a manageable amount, but at the same time, it's not necessarily easy. And if you're learning a, a Japanese alphabet for the first time, it can be tough. So um, we are going to talk about how we can use memory techniques specifically to learn an alphabet. So could you talk a little bit about these techniques, Anthony, and how they could uh, apply to an alphabet, not just learning. And memorizing words. Well, yeah, I, absolutely. And I think the first thing to be said is that languages are not primarily auditory, they're also visual. There's a massive visual component to it. And so how they're they're written is is just a part of learning a language. And it's part of how you can learn how to speak properly. Because when you can read and figure out how to sound things out, then that's part of your learning process. And it's just a communication uh, strategy that's used in many, many, many languages. Now, when it comes to something like a character set, like the hiragana, it's uh, it's something that can be shocking when you first look at it because it's just this wash of squig squiggles and they're laid out on a grid and it can be really hard to count how many there are and uh, and you just you kind of feel the sense of overwhelm and I certainly did. I th th even though I have had experience with learning, you know, the Russian character set and the Greek character set and so forth, I, when I looked at hiragana, I just almost thought this is this is the outer limits of what's possible with memory techniques. But I I persisted and I thought I'm going to do this. There has to be a way. And it turned out that it's even easier than those other uh, character sets that one has one coming from an English alphabet upbringing, so to speak, has a has a better grip on intuitively. Um, and part of that has to do with how weird and strange it looks and what you can do using the techniques. So why, why is it that why, you know, why is it that people find it so hard to memorize, say, hiragana? Why would uh, you you know your average person find it difficult? to memorize those characters? Well, I think part of it is depth of experience looking at the letter A, if you're an English speaker, and seeing just knowing it's A, you know? And so you have to start all over again and say, look at something and try to, you know, assign something to it. And there's no, it's completely, the, the relationship between the way it looks and the way it's supposed to sound is arbitrary, right? And that's also true of every letter in the alphabet. It's just that it's no longer arbitrary to us through years and years and years of use. We've come to personalize them. And that's exactly what we can do very, very fast is look at a character and personalize it. But the first thing that happens is that people push it away. They get afraid. They start to think it's hard. Yeah. And by doing that, they depersonalize it. But you need to invite it in. If you think of your mind as this soft and warm and embracing place, like uh, imagine you know, you're baking cookies for a guest and you want your guest to come in and say, look, come, sit down. I've got cookies for you. Stay a while. And you go into the kitchen, you bring them cookies. Well, you can do that with information. And you know, the kitchen and the living room where you want your guests to come to is not a bad way of thinking about this because I like the memory palace technique of all the memory techniques. And it's very much like creating a space for information to come and stay a while, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you mentioned memory palaces then. Now, so some people out there might be thinking, what on earth is a memory palace? 
And, yes. you know, what, what's going on? So take a second to tell us what is a memory palace and then how could we use a memory palace to learn Japanese? Okay, though, this is exciting stuff because everybody has access to real estate in their lives and they are not tapping its potential. You know, you're paying rent on your home and you're probably just losing that money month after month or you're dumping it into your, uh, you, you know, your loan that you took on your home and you're not even using your home to memorize information like hiragana. Um, so imagine that you take your place that you live in right now and you just imagine a journey throughout the home that you live in. Like you start in your master bedroom perhaps and you walk from the corner of the bed where you stand up and you go to where your dresser is and then you go to the door and then in the hallway there's maybe a bookshelf and beside that is the bathroom door and so forth. You go down the stairs into the kitchen. This is all something that you can either picture in your mind or you can create a, or you already have a very strong spatial sense of where one thing is with relation to another. So you could be in a cafe right now listening to this podcast, but when I say think about your kitchen, you can get some kind of impression of what your kitchen is like in your mind, either visually or just conceptually or spatially. And when you can do that, you're able to take another piece of information, like perhaps a, a, a skateboard, and you could imagine what it would be like if a skateboard was on your kitchen table, yep. right? It's kind of and weird, but I can, I can, it's very memorable. I know you might be thinking, ooh, skateboards, they're dirty. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's even better because when you can make it strange or weird or you have some sort of visceral reaction to it, then it becomes even more memorable, right? And so if you were to imagine that that skateboard were broken in half, right, then that's a particular shape. So it's no longer just a, a straight linear line but it's a line that is broken. And that line, maybe it's just the tail of the skateboard that's broken. And uh, it's at a more or less uh, 90 degree angle break. And it's sort of at an angle in and of itself hanging off the table, right? Like the and, roof of the house or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And that's sitting there. It's getting your table all dirty. And uh, I don't know, maybe someone like Homer Simpson is on top of it. And he 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 just jumped on it and he broke it. And he's kind of like going <laughs> like that, right? You could imagine that that uh, is something that you might be able to remember, you know? No matter where you are right now, if you're thinking of your kitchen table and on that table is a skateboard that's been broken by Homer Simpson and he's just going, <laughs> you know, that could be quite memorable to you, especially if you really focus in on the colors, you focus in on the shapes of this and him jumping up and down his big, you know, man boobs going up and down. And uh, it just, you know, it's kind of funny. And also don't forget the horror of this dirty skateboard in your kitchen on the table and him going, <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating this because I'm trying to get a picture in your mind. And that picture could be useful if you're learning hiragana because that shape of a one, you know, a, a line that's broken just at the tail with the sound huh, is uh, is one of the hiragana characters. Okay, right. Yeah, so that's okay, this is so a lot of stuff has just happened there. So in case <laughs> in case you were kind of dozing whilst Anthony is talking, what he's just done is create a very very powerful image that can help us not only not only remember the shape and how you write this particular character, but also how it's pronounced. 
So this is this is huge. So let's just break this down again. And guys, if, whatever, if you're driving or you're kind of cooking and you're, you're only kind of half paying attention, make sure you, you kind of stop and tune into this bit because this is really critical. So you've asked me to picture my kitchen, which I obviously know very, very well, and to picture a dirty skateboard sitting on top of a surface, which is obviously a horrible thought. And you've asked me to imagine that the skateboard's kind of snapped in half almost, so it kind of creates like a, the shape of a roof. And which is exactly how the the, the the hiragana he sound looks. It's kind of two lines at 90 degree angles. So I can see that very, very clearly. That's the visual side of it, right? And then you asked me to get to imagine Homer Simpson on top of it. Presumably he's just broken the skateboard because he's been jumping on top of it. And, the, and he's actually doing that. And, he, and, I'm, and I'm watching him doing that right now. And I'm creating, and he's saying this sound, he, 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 which is kind of Homer Simpson-like. And that hit is the sound of the character. So I now know not only how to write that character, hit, but also how to how to say it and to recognize it. And, Absolutely. And so I've, I've kind of got a character there for free. I've learned how to write and say it. Now, what's going to... This is, this is great, but what's going to stop this just disappearing? Why is this going to help me? Why am I going to remember this? Why is it going to make it more memorable? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, when you are doing this, as I teach, Homer Simpson isn't, or whoever you pick, because it needs to be personal to you. If you don't have any relationship to Homer Simpson, then you might just pick somebody else um, doing some other thing with another object that means something to you. It could be a golf club, for example. Um, but the way that it's going to work at the highest possible level so that you can memorize the most, the fastest, and recall it with the greatest ease, and you want to recall it in a particular way so that you're able to get it into long-term memory – is you're going to use Homer Simpson or another figure more for more than one character along a journey that you've created throughout your kitchen and other parts of your house, or it could be your office or a church or a movie theater or wherever you're familiar with. And you're going to follow that person for as many of these characters as you can, engaging in activities that enable you to recall the sound and the shape of the character. And you'll construct this in advance, this memory palace journey, it takes five to ten minutes for most people to uh, to get into it. Maybe your first time you're looking at a half an hour investment or so something thereabouts, but it's an investment that will serve you for life and you will never forget the time that you spend putting this together because of how fast you can learn and memorize and recall these characters and get them into long-term memory. Uh, so I call this figure uh, a bridging figure because it bridges – stations or stops in a memory palace so that kitchen table is a station and then when i did this i happened to use the kitchen table in a, in an apartment that i was living in for that particular character and then on the very next uh, station was the fridge and on top of the fridge was ho and um that was a, a, a very very powerful image next and i'm not going to tell you what homer simpson was doing in that image because it's not uh, radio friendly but <laughs> that's the point right is that the worse it is so to speak then the more memorable it is and then after once that i had done this for you know i would work five to ten characters at a time and then i would go back in my mind close my eyes shut my book get go away from the from the diagram that shows all the characters and I would go and take a notebook and I would draw out what I had done. And then I'd go back and compare against the record. And then over a very short period of time, well, in fact, the very next day, I could, I could draw them all out. 
you know, and I knew what they sounded. There was there was a couple of mistakes here and there, but mistakes are beautiful. They're they're the greatest gift because then you can correct them, right? And 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 so you're chaining things together, and you're using that chain as the mechanism, the tool for recalling the information. And recall is what helps you get it into long term memory. And then you want to go on to things like. Actually, writing words, reading, speaking, and listening as much as possible while you're doing this. But you, you, you've got this done. You're going to get a sufficient amount of repetition so long as you go into those other elements of language learning. And this, this is you can go on to katakana from there. You're so, done. so you've got. So you've just given us an example of the the hit and the hot and how and how that could work in in your kitchen. But there's 48 characters in in uh, hiragana, um, and so you've got to have 48 stations as you call them around your house with 48 images uh, for each of the characters is that right yes and it sounds like a lot of work it isn't <laughs> i can tell you that absolutely with uh, with no conditions it, it it's rel- it's work relative to your decision to call it work i call it play i call it fun it, i wouldn't there's very few things that i'd i'd rather do and i have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students who just absolutely love this and so it may not be for everybody but it's uh it's just amazing and you know i have thousands of students who don't love it but they still do it and they get results <laughs> yeah I mean, it, cause to, be, to be honest i'm kind of joking a little bit when i say it sounds like a lot of work because the thing is i know from trying to learn alphabets myself that you kind of got two choices what normally happens with alphabets when i've learned them the old-fashioned way you kind of you know um if you like which kind of, you know, say for example, uh, if, if you didn't know any better and you wanted to learn Hiragana, you might just kind of copy out the characters over and over again until you learn them, right? But the problem with that is, the drawback of that is that you then will forget them more frequently because there's nothing, there's nothing uh, you know, to really tie them together. So you might learn them quickly, but then the work comes in the follow-up because you just forget them. So you have to go back and learn them over and over again. But what I found with the Memory Palace, the cool thing about the Memory Palace is that although it is p- perhaps a little bit more work up front, um, and because it, it does sound like, a, you know, it's going to take time, obviously, to come up with those 48 stations and images. But the thing is, once you've done that work, that's it, isn't it? Because you you because it sticks so much that you've kind of front-loaded all the work. So all the work comes at the beginning, and then that's, that's you done because you've got – it's all there – in your head. You know, one metaphor that I used to like to use a lot, I should really bring it back, is imagine if you wanted to go to Japan, right? And no airports existed. But you knew that there was a thing, there was such a thing as airports and airplanes, right? The airplanes are available, but there's just no airport where you live and there's no airport in Japan or there's no airport where you live, let's just say. All you have to do to get to Japan is build an airport, right? And then you can go to Japan as much as you want, as many times as you want. And you can go to all the other places in the world too. You just need the airport, right? And that's sort of what this is when you talk about front-end front work, right? It's just taking the time to figure it out. And then once you've got it, it's a skill that serves you for life. And you're done with the hiragana. You can go on to all the other aspects of Japanese. And you know, you'll now have this tool to assist you. And so it really is like having an airport. And... If you, if people were to say to you, you know, you know, why don't you just put some time in and build an airport? You'd be crazy to say no because the world is at your fingertips. <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, that's so, the way I, 
Yeah, so when when you've once you've got all these all the characters in stations around the memory palace, then just tell us a little bit how you would practice that because presumably it doesn't all stick first time, right? You do have to do some practice. So what's the what's the kind of process that you go through to practice uh, and to recall all of these all of the characters? What I like to do is work in chunks of five to ten characters, and it was something more complex like kanji. It would be even just three. Maybe two, sometimes even just one, depending on what it is. But with these, they're relatively simple. And uh, and the sounds are also simple for each one. Um, so work in chunks. And again, try to think of a bridging figure that you can take for as many steps along the journey, as many stops along that journey as possible. So you're maximizing the connectivity because you reduce cognitive load when you're able to follow a track and follow a character along the track, right? So you're kind so, of walking from one station to the next? Is that through in your mind? You're kind of walking around your house? Is that the way it works? Well, some people do that. Some people do that. They, there's different ways. You can see a bird's eye view of what's going on and see yourself from above, you know, walking around or see Homer Simpson walking around. Or you can have a second eye view, like a, a video game, where you're seeing through... Like you're standing there in the kitchen and you're looking at Homer Simpson. Or you can do like a kind of a fusion of those things. Or if you're really practiced, you can do what I do, which is really none of that. Because what has happened to me, and this is something that will, I believe, happen to people who practice this, is it's really like your memory palace journey is a collection of stars in a constellation. And you just zoom from one to the other. So you don't have to build the memory palace in your imagination. It's just kitchen table, corner of the balcony, bed, or corner of the bed as the case may be. And you just go zoom, zoom, zoom. And then you just recall what's there. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to see these things. I don't really have that visual of an imagination. It's a combination of sort of seeing a ghostly kind of image of, say, Homer Simpson and just thinking about Homer Simpson. There's a lot of verbal content to it as well. And then feeling like the force, the velocity of that skateboard breaking is a part of how it's memorable to me. So it, it, it sounds sometimes like it's a primarily visual art, art of memory, but it's not. It's, it's many, many things coming together. But if you can picture a journey through your house as if it were a constellation, that's the fastest way to work. But in the beginning, you might, you, you might like to actually create a kind of a virtual video game experience where you imagine yourself walking from the kitchen table over to the fridge, and then you experience a new image that's there that helps you recall the sound and the shape of the character. But I don't think you need to do all that because that creates work. But if you could just think of a spot in a home and then the next spot and the next spot, and that comes through creating the memory palace in a particular way because a lot of people like to build memory palaces as they go along. But I think it's really important to create it first and to draw it out and get a good sense of where it is so you know where you're going and even practice that memory palace without using it first so that, you know, it's built out. And that will reduce cognitive load as well when you're using it. And you can really streamline it. And if you don't, you know, if you have any doubts about this, Alex Mullen has memorized a deck of cards in 18 seconds, right? And he's doing, he's doing exactly <laughs> this. That's a deck of cards. This, this, that's, not even, that's not even meaningful information. Like what does King of Clubs mean? You know. <laughs> All right. So, can you Can one memorize hiragana in eighteen seconds? Well, you know, there's a, it's an interesting issue. If I could just make a little sidetrack, one of the reasons they don't have foreign language uh, as an element in memory competitions is because there will be people who have an advantage. 
right? But they do have abstract images, images as a, a competitive element in some of the competitions. So there are symbols that may or may not be here again esque, but there are abstract images, and people can memorize them very, very fast, and they can memorize a lot of them. So how quickly do you think someone could use these techniques to memorize the whole of Hiragana, the whole of the Hiragana al alphabet? How quickly do you think someone could use these techniques to memorize the Hiragana alphabet? Well, you know, once you have the magic formula and you're putting the spells together in your mind using a memory palace, it really shouldn't take more than an hour and a half to three hours. And actually within that, let's say, maximum three hours, you should have time to create the memory palace itself and test it, walk through it a few times, and then even within three hours, do some testing of what you've memorized. But you do want to then give yourself space and go do something else and uh, and rehearse the material. So really within three hours is probably the, the outer limits that someone would need. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is obviously pretty, pretty good stuff. And, you know, for anybody who has, you know, is learning Japanese and just has not got round to, to learning to read and write, or maybe you're even, I don't know, maybe you're just thinking about, maybe you like the idea. I mean, it's pretty cool just to learn to read and write Japanese anyway. But you know, for anybody out there, uh, definitely worth taking a look at this. And so what we've done is we've prepared a blog post over on the blog. Uh, obviously, it's a blog post. We prepared a post that's going to walk you through uh, this in a little bit more detail. And uh, if you'd like to check out that blog post, you can go to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash memory shortcut. That's IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash memory shortcut, all one word. But we wanted to make sure that you don't get lost through the process and that you can definitely follow all the things that Anthony's been talking about here. So, uh, Anthony, what did you put together as a free download for people at the end of that post? Well, there's a 10-point checklist to make sure that you have absolutely understood everything on the post, and it walks you through the steps that you need to take in a linear manner. And if you just follow that, then you know you will have this power, this ability. It's 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 very simple. It's this is not you know data for later, as they often say. This is something where you need to get your hands dirty and really, really uh, practice. Like so many people, you've got you to do the work, right? It's not just going to be read the blog post and suddenly know who they're going to. You're going to have to apply yourself for a couple yeah. of a good two or three hours to get this result on you. I think I think one of the things that happens is a lot of people, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this. There are people who want to know what something is. There are people who want to know why something works the way that it does. And there are people who, you know, just want to get in and, and do it. And there are benefits to being each of that sort of person. But if you start overthinking this, then that's not going to be the way to learn it. So to understand how the memory techniques work, you really do just have to dive in. And those who don't are forever kept outside. But those who get in, they, they'll see what this trick is all about. And it, it, I mean, it's, it's not really a trick. It's a, it's a skill. It's an art. It's a craft. And it's a very, very beautiful one. And, you know, you mentioned that people listening to this, they might have no interest in Japanese, but might want to go through it anyway, because it is a cool thing to be able to look at it. And that's exactly right. I mean, you see, once I learned these characters, I started to realize that I see them all the time, you know, in, in the world, even in Germany. 
it's just incredible. And to be able to look at them and know what they are supposed to sound like and then play around with them when they're beside each other and figure out what those sounds are, it's incredible. And it's a testament to yourself of what you are capable with with your memory. And then you can apply it to other things as well. So this going through this checklist it will serve anybody listening to this podcast and reading that post. You can apply it to any character set and other information as well. Fantastic. Okay, so once more to check out that post and get the Memory Palace success checklist that Anthony's been kind enough to put together for us, head to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash memory shortcut. Anthony, it's been great to have you. Pleasure talking to you as always. What's um, what's coming up for you in the uh, in the rest of the year? Oh, well, I'm now intensively learning Chinese. And, you know, I want to thank you since we're talking because you're – training been incredible in terms of well two points in particular one is you know to actually get a language learning resource and go all the way through the one thing you know not just like abandon it and skip to the next one and the next one which has been incredible advice for me and uh, also just you know uh, just coming at it daily 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 and I, I know all this stuff but I love listening to your podcast and just getting to know you personally because it just you know is is such a inspirational thing and to have that advice so this is a good opportunity for me to thank you for that and oh, it's very good of you it, to say it's a uh, it's it, it it's inspiration that really makes the 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 journey exciting in addition to what I get to do with the uh, with uh, the memory magic. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much again, and we'll see you. Well, you have to come back, and then maybe we'll talk about how to uh, how to memorize ten thousand kanji or ten thousand Chinese characters next time. <laughs> oh, but by then, let's see if I have. <laughs> be right. great. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that interview with Anthony. Memory techniques are a fascinating area, and there's no one better than Anthony to, uh, to, to, to show you the light, so to speak. So he's written a great post on the blog. Definitely go and check that out. I will teach you at language.com forward slash memory shortcut, and that will give you a little bit more detail about how you can start using these techniques to, uh, to learn hiragana or to improve your memory for foreign languages overall. Uh, it's been quite a long episode, so I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.